Here we go again. Welcome back to Clearing Corners. I'm Matt. I'm here with Cam, and we are joined again by Jared. Hello. Well, thanks for Welcome having me back. back. Thanks for having me. You guys keep inviting me back. It's going to be a three. It's going to be a three man <laughs> podcast. That's maybe, maybe keep bringing it strong, and we uh, we'll make that a regular. So we have a very controversial subject to go over today. I'm excited to talk about it, and I hope our listeners who reached out to us this week, there was a, actually a lot of conversation brewing. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. But I'm excited to go over this. The controversial issue at hand has to do with our officers inside our public schools. Seems to be a hot topic uh, across the nation. I'm not going to say that it's brand new. We've been hearing it for probably since last summer. Yeah, right? it's been, it's always come up, it comes up on a regular basis, so. And, and just so everybody knows, you spent a lot of years as an SRO. I did. And you're currently a, a supervisor over some SROs. I am, yeah, yeah, I spent 10 years, so at all grade levels uh, there, including uh, most of my time was at a high school, and uh, spent a little bit of time at even our alternative high school you might call it so i feel like i shouldn't be calling you jared and i should be calling you sarge well nah, you know jared works we're out i'm gonna continue to call you jared all right that works <laughs> we'll keep we'll keep doing that okay i'm going to talk about uh one of the cities in the united states that is kind of on the forefront of a lot of media attention and i hope that the information that we provide here today can open a lot of eyes and it's going to lead into our conversation about this very controversial subject that has a lot of split information and, and opinions about. Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, Tennessee. So we have the Knoxville County School District. Um, Mayor India Kincannon, I hope I said that right. Mayor India Kincannon just announced that that entire school district will be removing all uniformed officers from their schools starting and, and effective June 12th. And there is a backstory to this, and I'm going to go over the backstory, but before we go into what I believe is the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, for their school district. Was this, did this come from the school district or did it come from the city? We're going to talk about that okay. because there's All right. there's some push. I, I won't necessarily say it's going to come from the school district. Okay. I think there's a lot of outside pressure. Uh, our listeners can make their own decision about that. All right. Uh, but the mayor announces it, and when a mayor announces it, and it's not the school district that announces it, maybe you already answered that question. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, when it, when it becomes political, it probably is not coming from the school district leadership saying, we don't want this anymore. And so you can put a pretty penny down in Vegas that this came from outside influence. All right. So, and we, here's what I want our listeners to know. Listen to what I'm about ready to read off and ask yourselves uh, as I'm doing this, what 
would a reasonable person believe about what I'm listening to and the stats that I'm listening to? Because in the Knoxville area, let me go ahead and, and read off the violence that has plagued this area in 2021. January 27, 2021, Justin Taylor, 15 years old, Police found Justin unresponsive inside a vehicle, suffering from at least one gunshot wound. A 17-year-old male was charged in the incident. February 12th, 2021. Stanley Freeman Jr., 16 years old, leaving his, his high school to go home. He was in his vehicle at the time of the incident. Shot in his vehicle while traveling home. Two teenage males... 14 years old and 16 year old years old were arrested and face first degree murder charges. February 16th, 2021. I hope I pronounce his name right. Janaria Muhammad, 15 years old, killed in a neighborhood near a local school. Police found her unresponsive with at least one gunshot wound. No arrests have been made in that incident. She was co-captain of her school's dance team. March 9th, 2021. Jamarian Gillette, 15 years old. He was nicknamed Little Dada or Dada on the streets. Dada? I'm going to say Dada or Dada. D-A-D-A? D-A-D-A. Let's go Dada. All right. See, I pronounce it. I think I did it right. Yeah, let's Thank go you. with that. Thank you, Jared. Let's go with Dada. With yeah. I don't really want to say Dada. No. <laughs> so, 15 years old, died at University of Tennessee Medical Center after he was taken there when he was found being shot. No report of any arrest made. Now, I just went down multiple victims. The oldest victim was 16 years old. Now, think to yourself, if, if you're just hearing this, right, and someone says that is in the same city, what would a reasonable person believe is an issue in that city? Probably violence. Violence. So, I mean, that's, that's the first thing that came to my right. head. There, Especially gun violence. There's a gun violence problem in that's that in area. Four, that's in four months. That's in four months, all in 2021. I'm going to break it down to you even a little bit tinier. Now, what if I told you that every single one of those victims was from the same school? So now you're looking at neighborhood neighborhoods uh, experiencing that type of violence. Mm -hmm. So now brings us to the incident that made national news, world news. And this school that I'm talking about, where all these victims uh, went to school at, is in Knoxville, Tennessee. It is uh, Austin East Magnet High School. And on April 12th, 2021, there was a 17-year-old student by the name of Anthony Thompson Jr. And so remember that name. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to break down that incident because this incident was at the forefront of the decision for the, dis for the school district to pull what they need, okay? And a lot of the information that I just read off and what I'm going to give you, I give credit to Knox News in Knoxville, Tennessee. They kind of gave this timeline. Um, I did my research and, and found 
uh, multiple articles as they covered this incident. And that's what I'd like to go over because it led into the decision of removing all uniformed officers. So again, Austin East Magnet High School. And here's the timeline. And again, going back to the actual date, April 12th, 2021. So this one's fresh. I mean, we're, we're just over, what, a month and a half from this occurring. At 12.41 p.m., Thompson and his girlfriend are seen on a school security camera in what appears to be an argument. And I, I watched this video footage, and he, man, they were, he was right up in her face to a point that at one point she swiped him away. She was pinned up against a wall. I invite people, if you want to do the research, go and, and look at the video. Um, but I would definitely say that they were in an argument. It was at 12.41 p.m. when they were caught on surveillance. 1.16 p.m., the mother of the girlfriend sends Anthony Thompson a text message. And in these text messages, I'm, I'm not going to pull them all up and, and read them, but basically, uh, or read it all the way through, but the mother said, you need to stop what you're doing and, and stop disrespecting my daughter. Basically saying, you, you've hit on my daughter for the last time. And when I say hit, I'm talking physical violence. I'm talking the dating. And, and I think most uh, nationally, they've adopted that as a domestic issue, right. you know, the, the dating thing. Um, but she confronted him. It was after this 1241 incident in the hallways. Um, and, and she said, you're going to stop putting your hands on her. You step foot on my property and you will go to jail, period. And so this is the mother defending her daughter, reaching out to him. And he responds back and says, get off my phone, girl. Um, so obviously there's an exchange between a mom and Anthony Thompson Jr. at that point. Uh, she informs him that she's going to contact KPD. At 116, 117, Anthony is seen on camera in a hallway checking his phone. So that... It, that corroborates the same information that the mom provided to at 1.16 p.m. that she texted him. At 1.18 p.m., Anthony is seen on a camera running through the school. So only two minutes after he received this text from uh, his ex-girlfriend's mother. Anthony is then seen exiting the school, runs through a parking lot and out of the view of cameras. At 1.24 p.m., Anthony re-enters the school, at 1.36 p.m., Anthony is seen exiting the school again, runs through the same parking lot, and then out of the view of the camera again. At 1.50 p.m., Anthony is seen on camera re-entering the school once again. At 1.59 p.m., a 911 call was made. I'm going to go ahead and play that right now and just listen to what came in. Not for police communication. Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, they were saying I needed an officer to come out to make a report. Okay. And what happened? My daughter um, got into an altercation today at school with um, an ex-boyfriend. I've called uh, a couple of times, actually, and spoke with the Justice Center as well as juvenile court about this kid because he keeps continuing to put his hands on my daughter. Um, but it happened again today, and we're trying to press charges on him through juvenile court, but they need a report to be made. Okay, and what did he do? Uh, today, the incident, um, he came into a principal's office where she was and started beating on the door, uh, fixing a break glass. She came out. The principal had stepped out of the office for a minute, evidently, 
But when she came out, he kept putting his hands on her. Um, she said, poking her in her face and her jaw, pulling her hair. Um, the incident I witnessed about a couple of, a week or two ago, um, he was at my house and I made him leave because he had actually uh, choked her and I had threw her around the bedroom. I heard some noise. I went in there and I threw the kid out of my house. Well, she's not had anything to do with him since then or tried not to, but they ran into each other at school a couple of times and every time he's been very forceful with her. Well, tried to give him breaks. I tried to contact his mom. Nothing is, you know, nothing's controlling this kid at this point. I'll have to take it the legal. Okay, do you know if he's white? Thompson. It's Anthony Thompson. He's a black male known to carry a 9 millimeter pistol, which he's threatened with numerous times. He's a student at Austin East High School. She is also. But he is not known for that school. And I've even told the school that he's an issue. They know he's an issue. And they still have not removed him from this school. Okay. So How old is he? He's my child. He's also 17. That's why I was having to go through juvenile. Okay. Do you know where he's at now? He's at school. She left and ran home. Any weapon or any drinking or drugs involved? He does have a weapon. I don't I don't know um, if he does drugs or not. I'm pretty sure he smokes weed. I'm not sure what else he may do. So there is the 911 call from the ex-girlfriend's mom into police dispatch. And so obviously a little bit later, police arrive at the girlfriend's home and they obtain the following statement from her. As that goes on, we start to continue to argue as he thinks I'm still at school where he's like, oh, so you so mad now, you wanna fight? Do you wanna fight? And he was like, I'm going to come up there. So he comes up there and he was like, oh, so you're not going to come out. So you just keep, you just keep threatening me, bro. Like it, it's been, it's going on for so long. I'm tired of the threats. I'm tired of the fights. I'm tired of being scared. Yeah. Yeah. Now he threatens her with a gun too. And he's known to carry a nine millimeter gun. Okay. You ever seen it? Yes. She has seen yeah. it. Okay. Where does he keep it at? Is it with him now? Please tell them because he's at school. I don't right? know. Does we have clear backpacks. Does he normally keep it in the car, glove box? You don't have a car. Like Hi, officer. Outside. Hey, buddy. A lot of them hide their guns in the bushes outside. Hey, man. I don't yeah. know if you'll ever, you might find a lot of guns in the bushes outside, but that's what those kids do. They hide them yeah. in the bushes so they can pick them up when they leave school. Gotcha. Um, I'm going to go back down here to the school and we'll deal with all this. He's going to go to jail. All right. He's going to go to juvenile. We're going to deal with him. Maybe we can get him some help. I don't know. Either way, it'll keep him from, uh, hurting you so the patrol officer takes a report starts getting these statements and, and i know that our listeners are are keeping up but just for anyone uh who's gotten lost a little bit just the information that has come in so far he's he's seen on video going in and out of the school right and some of the information that's in there is he's been violent with my daughter in the past and if you can hear as she's given that statement i don't want to be scared anymore and she chokes up and so there's definitely an issue here with dating domestic violence. And some key point that the mom, who hadn't been at the school yet, hadn't had the, the text communication uh, past what I provided in information a little bit earlier, she said that's what these kids do. It, which, by the way, this high school doesn't allow backpacks unless you can see through them. And so all of them have, you know, those clear backpacks, the, the plastic ones. Mm -hmm. So again, we're talking about a school that has had a past 
to a point that that rule was implemented. You cannot come to school unless you have something that we can see in. Now, just like this mom said, she gave a key piece of information in there, and she said, you're probably going to find a lot of guns because that's what these kids do is they hide them in the bush, and then they get them immediately upon leaving school because they know they can't have them in school. Now, remember, Anthony was on surveillance leaving the school twice. Do we know exactly where he went? No, but keep that in mind as we continue to go through. Um, 2.16 p.m., again, this was a little bit after the 911 call and, and officers arriving to take the initial statement. Anthony is seen entering a school bathroom, which is the one that police eventually make contact with him in. Uh, 2.23 p.m., Anthony texts girlfriend's mother and basically uh, tries to say, look, the situation's dead. I don't even care. Um, Y'all know that I didn't hit her. And so mom sends a picture back to him with the cop in front of her house. So now he knows that the report is being made for sure. Like there's no bluff here. She's uh, saying, I'm done with your stuff. Here's a picture of it. Um, 2.51 p.m., another student texts Anthony about police presence on campus. And so he has a buddy that knew that Anthony was in some trouble. Otherwise, he wouldn't have texted and said, hey, police presence on campus. So, so for me, I, haven't, I don't have all the details on this case, so I'm, I'm kind of giving a fresh perspective. Um, are their SROs, and by SROs, if we didn't specify the school resource officer, are SROs on, do they, are they at that school at this time? There's one. One. And then do they have like security guards as like, I don't, I don't have any information that there are security guards. So I, I know that the information being looked at on surveillance on the back end of my research, I found out that the SRO was the one that was reviewing all the cameras and the one that found him doing all of this. Okay, gotcha. And so, I don't, again, I don't have any information. I don't believe that there are any security officers. I think there is one SRO assigned to this high school. Um, so, again, a, another student texts Anthony with that communication and says, hey, uh, basically saying, he, hey, they're going down the hall. It sounded like he knew exactly where Anthony was at. Um, and then Anthony hits him back and was like, bet. Which is say because the friend was like, stay low. I don't know if they're coming at you. And, and that's, that was his response back to him was just like, bet. Um, which I hear from my boys a lot. And a lot of, right. you know, you hear it a lot in the schools yeah. and stuff like that. Um, 2.53 p.m. Officers arrive on campus to meet with the SRO. Now they came with a lieutenant and two other officers because of the information. And again, go back. Why do you got to roll like three deep into a school that already has a cop? So now you have four. Why do you need that with just a 17 year old? Remember what information the mom gave and the girlfriend gave ex-girlfriend gave, right? You don't know. Yeah. He could have very well. He could very much have both friends or well, both of them flat out said he has a weapon. He has a gun, you know? And and so you have that. And then you have uh, the statement that said, yeah, he, he's known to carry a gun. Right. And then it was at 3.11 p.m. that officers uh, entered the bathroom and made contact with Anthony. And uh, I'm not going to go through the incident that happened in the bathroom. Uh, An officer did discharge his firearm. Um, After a struggle, Anthony was uh, told to come out of the stall that he was in, and he was in possession of a gun. Which tells me with the information 
that we have with what the mom gave and everything else, it's very likely that he went out to wherever he had stashed the gun. Um, and I'm not here to talk about a use of force. These officers were not charged in the incident. Uh, one of them did uh, unfortunately discharge a firearm, and, and uh, it resulted in Anthony Thompson Jr. dying. Another officer was shot in the leg in that same bathroom that they had to pull out. Um, but this started the whole reaction within Knoxville. And then all of a sudden, just like clockwork, like we had talked about, uh, a lot of protests started happening in Knoxville. BLM showed up. Now, keep in mind, I went through a whole list of everything that's happened in that area from that same high school. Victims, no more than 16 years old, most of them 15 years old. And this is, again, through my research, a very heavy demographic. The majority of the students there are black. And every single student and victim that died that I read off, black. BLM didn't show up for them. But again, they showed up for when an officer discharged his firearm and, and, and unfortunately a 17-year-old's life was taken. Um, but those protests and the political pressure and everything else eventually got to the school board. And then all of a sudden it becomes a city issue. You know how these things work. You know, the mayor, city council, the school district, uh, the chief of police for, for Knoxville. And then all of a sudden... Here we are, April 12th. Now, I, I can't say for sure that this hadn't been a discussion since, like, last summer, right? We mentioned that this has been a hot topic for quite a while. Right. But I'm interested to see what your guys' thoughts are. When I was going through this, I, I see a whole city, and I look at it as a knee-jerk reaction. Here we have, and it's like the, the national narrative of of officers targeting black people. BLM shows up. Multiple days of protests in the streets of Knoxville. And then all of a sudden they're saying, you know what, we're going to end our contract, effective June 12th. We're not saying that we won't respond to emergencies, but this is the end of our contract with them. How do you think that the mother of that ex-girlfriend, the ex-girlfriend, and everybody else who relies on those uniformed police officers to be in the school feel now that they're taken out. Do you think they feel safer? Because it wasn't even the SRO that shot the student in this one, right? right. It's not necessarily a, a, an SRO issue. But to me, it is a knee-jerk reaction because before the facts of this entire incident even came out, they're like, we're going we're gonna to remove all SROs from every single one of our schools. And I would think that the one is, that is making national news for having gun violence in their city, but, I mean, within their school. Right. But now they're going to take uniform officers out? Before we start talking about the benefits of SROs, because that list is, is long, and Jared's going to really help us uh, nail down some of those. Some of the things that came out uh, from the details you gave, uh, he's known to carry. This is a juvenile in school, known to carry. Um, it's known that kids like to hide guns in bushes. So when I look at this, I put down, there's obviously some deeper issues here. There's earlier issues than um, it's not the SRO. Um, 
there there's obviously violence issues like you've brought up gun issues there um, that need to be addressed it's I don't I just don't understand so my, my last question is so you remove the SRO what changes in in this circumstance um, if you don't have the SRO what's going to keep the kids from instead of keeping the guns in the bushes just bringing them in yeah, do we do we think that the SRO is not a deterrent? Right. I'd be interested to see what other security measures, I guess, for lack of a better term to call it, you know, with the clear backpacks. Is it metal detectors? Is it single entry points? Um, you know, those types of things. Uh, what's their plan in place for to provide safety for for their students, for the young people? Yeah, I mean, and currently the only thing that we know is is uh, with the surveillance that I watched. They don't have metal detectors, and so their their security measure up to this point was one SRO for a school that was having this many issues, right? And clear backpacks, so that teachers, uh, faculty, and the SRO would be able to right. see inside, and they wouldn't be able to conceal these weapons. And and you may, you make a great point. What are they going to do now? Yeah, and I think that's a that's a huge thing because once you remove once you remove. Uh, the ability to, um, I guess, to encounter violence with violence, because in all honesty, that's kind of what we do, right? If there's an active threat and those types of things, we encounter that um, typically with some sort of violence. Hopefully, it's at a very minimal, and we can reco- and we can resolve that peacefully. But now you've just taken the one person that's in the building that can quickly respond, um, and made it so now it can be four or five, 10 minutes response time from, from a patrol officer, you know, and, and those types of things. I think that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one for, for Knoxville, especially from a neighborhood and a surrounding a school that's experiencing that much gun violence um, in that type of area. I mean, obviously two of the four, I think you read off the perpetrators in it were also juveniles. Correct. Um, and the other two, it's they a problem had, at the school. Yeah, yeah. So there's, so there's, the area. I'm not going to say the school, the the the, the city, right, the, or that neighborhood. And so, so I would be willing to bet that the perpetrators, likely in the other ones, possibly juveniles, maybe late teens, early twenties, would be my if I had to guess. But I would be surprised if when they solve those that uh, that they weren't juveniles as well. So that just shows you that they've got a, a real problem with violence. And I know people are always going to be well. What if we restrict guns? Guns isn't restricting guns isn't the answer because restricting guns only works for people that follow the law. And so that type of stuff is going to provide you with, um, yeah, with less guns for, from good people and, and more guns for, for bad people. So for, for perpetrators, I, I, I just feel for the, the students that are now thinking to themselves. So you're telling me I got to go back to that school as a parent, I, I I would have a hard time. I mean, they would have to sell it to me and say, these are the safety measures that we're going to put into place because you do have a problem high school. Right. I mean, we just listed. This, this is not normal nationwide. I just want our listeners to know that this is within four months. You had that many victims at right. the same school. Yeah, there's a problem. But where in the world... Did you start pointing the finger at the school resource officer? Right, just because it's it's uh, that's it, the easy part, right? It, at the at the very basic level, you know, with uh, a lot of these 
um, officer involved shootings at the very basic level of it. It's, you know, your, your government is killing you and, and that's never okay. It's okay to kill. I can kill, I could kill Cam because for whatever. Right. But if it's, if I'm in a government capacity and he's in a civilian capacity, government shouldn't be killing civilians and so now there's a narrative and an agenda behind it yeah yeah. and so that that's that's at the very base level you look at it now now we got to start wondering okay now we got to start looking at why um or what's coming up and a lot of these things like i said these officers were found to be justified um in their actions which means that they were operating within their policy within state law state current state law um and current practices so for them for people to be upset about uh, this, I mean, let's be honest, at the end of the day, this young man could have resolved this issue um, had he chose to. Yeah, and and I, so, I just want the listeners to know I didn't, I didn't go into the the detail and the step-by-step as to what happened in that bathroom because it's, it's not about uh, a use of force conversation that we need to have and, and why the officers were not uh, criminally charged and that they were found that it was a justified shooting. That's not the purpose of what uh, I'm talking about here. I'm talking about a full story, a detailed timeline story as to what led to a decision within a city and a school district to remove all school resource officers off of something that to me just doesn't make sense. They, this is a violence problem. And for whatever reason, like we're talking about, and you've made some really good points in, into why that knee-jerk reaction happens, it's easy for us to point the finger at, at school resource officers but this is a violent school right? and they have a lot of issues and it just does not, it just doesn't make sense and click in my head as to how people can come to the conclusion. It's going to be a safer school once we remove the badge from it. Right. And even if they come up with their, their new safety standards that they may put in place. So I, I'd have to look to see what they're going to put in place in lieu of an SRO, um, doesn't mean you may make your school environment safer, maybe, but what happens when those kids walk out the door? And so now they're, they're out there, even in their own parking lot, they could, they're, they're forced to, uh, to fend for themselves without somebody near or close by to, to assist. And, and maybe in some of these other shootings there, there, there was probably little an officer could do. Cause it sounds like they found a lot of these, um, these juveniles, but I tell you, that's uh, that's a scary that's a scary thought to think about uh, to know that it there that your school is uh, plagued with that much violence and that there's not going to be somebody there that can respond appropriately for it. Well, yeah. so you you, you look at um, you look at this incident, and before this incident came out, you kind of you know for our listeners who don't understand why this kind of becomes a hot topic or or whatever is. Every once in a while, a video will surface, and it's an SRO who, you know, gets called to a room because a, a, one of the juveniles is being rowdy, not listening, throwing stuff around, and they use um, some sort of defensive tactics to, to take that kid down. Rather, it's OC spray or hands-on, but um, people don't like that. They don't like to see that this kid getting a, a use of force um, – done a, uh, to a kid in school and you know a lot of these times it's it's knee-jerk reactions like you said um but i i've never really understood it so we all have kids that all go to school 
I, I wouldn't be sending my kids if there was not an SRO there. My kids wouldn't go. Um, I, th- I think there's a lot of issues, and we'll go into a little bit more um, down the road. But so you talked about, uh, Jared, um, who responds, and you had mentioned four to five minutes. For those of you who don't understand, that's a pretty good scenario. If a patrol officer can get to a school where active violence is going on in four to five minutes. And I'll give you an example. This city here has had numerous shootings amongst kids in a four-month period. If that's happening with the kids there, what do you think is happening in the city? I think the patrol officers on the street are dealing with a whole lot of crime. And for them to be able to drop everything, we live in a pretty peaceful city. But there's times where it can take a little bit. Just this last week, I responded to a call. Given the situation, uh, me and another officer responded, licensed sirens, and it took 15 minutes. If there is active violence going on in a school, that is that is not uh, an acceptable response time. For nobody, me, nobody would accept that. Exactly. Nobody. You have an SRO there who can actively engage immediately on whatever the threat is or just be a deterrent. Um, and deterrent does not mean that just that a squad car is out front and they're scared to come in. A deterrent could be, um, you know, they talk with a kid who is kind of at their wits end and just by them talking to him, it, it helped out. Um, and Jared's going to go over some of that stuff. But I just kind of wanted to point out who, who then we talked about protection. We talked about what are the other remedies in Minneapolis. Some of the schools had, um, almost like a TSA type of entry, you know, you get um, metal detected. You put your bag through the scanner. All those things, right? It's single point entry, right? So you can't enter the school from anywhere else other than just one in, just one, one place. Yeah. Yep. Required to have those IDs, all that stuff visible. Um, you know the the whole the whole works. But prisons, lockdown prisons, still get shanks. Um, <laughs> all these schools, you know, you have wood shop. Are you are you keeping all that stuff secure? Like. There is going to be ways where where that can come up, and then who addresses those issues if there are no SROs? I think one thing too, even to even to think about that. What about some of your just your minor incidences? You know, how are you going to handle some of those? Um, you know, if if your patrol officers are busy with in progress calls, let's say you've got maybe just an assault that you were able to break up. Do you, how do you how do you resolve that thefts? Um, marijuana pills. I mean, you, yeah, any, any number of things that are maybe not require such a quick response, but what happens if you don't get a response at all? Do you have a plan in place to deal with these? And this is kind of where that restorative justice starts to come in and where it's really has really failed a lot of communities. Um, I know that, uh, uh, New York was kind of real big on this and they were seeing, they weren't seeing the results that they, thought that they were going to see from this restorative justice from their juveniles. And so we have it here, the uh, practice that we use here in, uh, in, in our uh, agency um, that our state is mandated, but it's, uh, it's kind of an interesting thing and we can talk more about it, but I think that's one of the other things to consider is because sometimes you can have an influence on some of those smaller crimes and hopefully maybe prevent those larger ones from down the road. So for sure. And, and you're, you're mentioning things that, well, all of us are talking right now just uh, on on the very safety aspect. Right. But many things that you just brought up are subjects not necessarily turns into a safety issue for your kid, but it becomes a distraction within a school where there's supposed to be learning going on. Right. And we send our kids to school with the hope 
that they're putting in the work, but that they're getting a good education because we know that that will assist them later on in life. And if you're constantly dealing with, uh, or, or teachers and faculty are dealing with inside a classroom, the rowdy kids and, and they can't shut them down. And then there's fights in the classroom and in the hall and in the cafeteria or even outside of school, whether it be at lunch or, or before school or after school, I'm talking about, I mean, you break it down and you know far better than I do because you've been on a campus as a school resource officer for many, many years. But there are just a ton of things that can distract our kids right. that the presence of an SRO actually assists with. Right. And there's a ton of things that pull away from that educational environment. It doesn't always have to be, like I said, we're, even though we're kind of talking about it, but it doesn't always have to be violence. It could be simple petty crimes. Um, if you're worried about always having your stuff taken, how are you going to focus at school? You know what I mean? Simple things like that. It's very small and, and it can really distract from, from that learning environment. If, if you know that you're going to walk down the hall and you're going to see, maybe you see graffiti you know, maybe not like big spray painted murals, but you may see pen markers on your locker that says, you know, that calls you different names or those types of things. The bullying. Right. Or you're going to get text messages relentlessly throughout the day with nobody there to actually step in with any sort of real consequence to, to that action. Cause you know, you may, you may have an administrator that steps in and says, well, yeah, that's, that's not acceptable. And we're going to send you home today and we're going to suspend you for the remainder of the day. Okay, well, you just sent a kid home with a cell phone and none of that stuff, what's gone, what's happened with it, you know, whereas if an SRO intervenes, it could be, hey, look, we're going to, it could be a referral to juvenile court. And if it persists, it may be something where we start seizing phones, you know, that type of stuff, because it's related, you know, it's part of a crime. And now we're actually getting some sort of reprieve for kids, but it can be, it doesn't always have to be violence. It can be small things that are easily, and if they're compounded day in and day out, they can very much take away from the learning environment. So benefits I, I have seen. Um, I, when I was a sex crime detective, um, I had several cases where kids would go to their SRO and disclose what happened to them because of the rapport that the SRO has built with these kids, they feel comfortable going to the SRO. I can tell you right now, I mean, it's in my evals. I'm unapproachable. Uh, <laughs> I would never, true story. I would never, ever no, gather either. that from. Yeah. No. I, I don't know. I thought it was crazy too, um, but I didn't dispute it. Uh, <laughs> um, but me in my patrol uniform, no kids coming up to me to disclose what happened to them. But an SRO who's built rapport with them, asked them how they're doing when they're walking past them in the hall, stuff like that. They go to them. I've seen that on numerous occasions. Um, that's one benefit. I've seen um, it with Jared. I, I had multiple cases. I, I came in when you were uh, not the striped individual that you are now, right. and, and you were still a school resource officer. Um, there were cases where, where you and I worked together, right. and I would come into your school. And, and the same thing that Cam is talking about, they didn't even look at me, but they had a rapport with you. Right. And you carried that conversation. I'm like, man, I, don't, I don't even know why I'm here. I don't even know why I'm here. here I, here's the detective doing this, but you, you just had that rapport with them. Right. Absolutely. And it's, that's a, you know, the, the thing that uh, a lot of people like you and I spoke just a little bit ago is we can talk about juvenile referrals, right? The, the big, the, the big, as you would say, the big sexy term that uh, people like to use is prison to pipe or uh, the pipeline to prison, you know, through our schools. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, we have these, you know, you can quantify juvenile referrals, juvenile arrests, those types of things. You can quantify those, those things. You have a statistic in which you can follow up and say, yeah, this may be a problem. We need to really look at this. Can we do something different here? Right. But the one thing that you can never quantify is what you prevented. hundred percent. You never will never know what you want, what you prevented. And uh, I can give you an example. Excuse me. I had a, a young man that, uh, who was, uh, suffering quite severely from depression. And, uh, he disclosed to a friend that, uh, that he was done. And, uh, basically, um, he wanted to, uh, basically show up to school and commit violence, uh, at the school, knowing that at some point in that encounter, he was either going to a take his own life or he was going to encounter me. And so, uh, we were lucky enough to sit down with this young man ahead of time and uh, start to kind of talk to him. And it was one of those things where, I mean, you talk to this young man and he was at his wits end. He wanted, I mean, out of his very, uh, the words out of his own mouth were, uh, I wanted people to hurt like I hurt. And uh, he goes, I knew I was going to come to school. I was going to try to find a day when you weren't here to commit this violent, this violent act. But I knew that if I saw your car, uh, that you were going to show up and you were going to probably take my life if I, if I, if I had, if you had to. And, uh, and it was, I mean, to sit down and hear a kid talk about that, it's, it's eerie for, uh, for sure. And, uh, we were luckily, uh, able to intervene early enough and with his family and with our help, he got the help that he needed. And, uh, coming back the next year was his senior year. Graduated with uh, with straight A's, was uh, was on uh, the exec council, um, and was a huge participant in the in the school, just because we happened to intervene at a, at the right point um, in in his young life where it hadn't gone too far. Because there we were probably within about a week or two of him showing up to school. I wish we had more stories like this nationwide. You know what I mean? I I, I wish they're there. They, I wish they were being all over told. The place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one of when I have an opportunity to sit down with anybody, I, I tell, I try to tell the untold stories. Right. I try to tell the times that it's like, this isn't going to show up in the stat area, and this is not going to show up on the news. But here's what your local officers did. Right. Here's what your local school resource officer did. And I wish there were stories like this that would just plaster the nation. And, and the thing is, though, is, is I tell a lot of officers, if you, right, we all, you get the all cliche, why'd you get into law enforcement is, you know, I want to make a difference in my community and that if you really want to make a difference in your community, you're a school resource officer, because even to this day, and I've been, I've been out of uh, schools for, uh, gosh, uh, two years now, but I've been removed from my main high school for almost five. And to this day, I still get uh, in my, in my box there uh, is that uh, I get wedding invitations, I get birth announcements, I get mission calls, mission returns. Um, I get all kinds of stuff in my inbox from students who I had five, six, seven, eight, ten years ago. And when I run across students, it's still the same thing. Hey, officer, how are you? It's great to see you. Guess what I'm doing now? You know, that type of stuff. And it's it's crazy because in the patrol setting, it's we're in, we deal with it, and we move on to the next one. And we mm-hmm. don't typically yeah. get a whole lot of uh, reciprocation from that as an SRO, you see that kid day in and day out. And, uh, it makes a huge difference. A lot of people don't realize it. If you have the right officers in your schools, um, it makes a world of difference that a lot of people will never understand or never know. 
And, and I'm going to do it because I know you won't do it. I, I want our listeners to know, uh, I personally appreciate what you have done for years for our community. And it's not just about showing up to work. And, and it's not just about uh, being that school resource officer. You have taken an active part in football. You've taken an active part in wrestling, being the wrestling coach, you know, taking that extra responsibility, talking with kids and saying, you know, it, it's almost like we're going to go a few episodes back when you were telling your story, right? when you were in the, the great big city of Salt Lake right. and doing your thing. And you explained how an SRO had a major impact within your life. Absolutely. And had that conversation. But I think that you have now taken that extra step in your life to give it back. Yeah. And it's, it's a huge thing because it, it makes a difference. Even to today, even today when I, when I see the, uh, the SROs that uh, I go and visit with uh, on a regular basis, um, I know that they do it because I did it, but it's funny when you see, when you just watch and they see groups of kids, hey, officer, hey, officer, hey, officer, and they call them by name, call them by name, you know, and they come up and they want to talk to them. They want to they tell their story. Hey, guess what happened to me last night? You know, guess what we were out doing? Even though they're going to tell you that they were out doing something really stupid, <laughs> they still come out and tell you, right? But then you watch, and then the officer goes, wait, I need to go, I need to go talk to him, You're right? Because he recognizes that he's not a student at his school. And uh, at his or her school, and they go over there. They talk to that that um, that student, and come to find out, it's not a student for, that goes to their school. But they have that ability because they see those faces every day or personalities. Yeah, you know, you're like, hey, that student is not acting their normal self today. Right. Yeah, and, you know? and just walking around lunch. I mean, you can't. I can't tell you how often I made it a personal point of mine to walk my campus around lunchtime and go and talk to the kid who was sitting by himself introduce myself, introduce him to, Hey, what are you, what are you interested in? You know, those types of things. Can I steer him? If he's interested in sports, can I steer him that way? If he's interested in the arts, can I steer him that way? If he's interested in auto uh, welding, different things that our, that our school may offer, you know, but finding out who they are and uh, kind of their story, because you want to have that information because you never know when it's going to become valuable for you. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the list goes on and on. I, I mean, I have on here, there's so many times where like I need to identify a, a victim or a suspect in a case where I'm dealing with it on patrol because it's outside of school settings. SROs are able to get in contact with or at least tell me who they are or um, give me the, the way to contact the parents. Um, and before then, you know, the, this would pretty much go unsolved, you know, because we just, we don't have a way because we're not in the schools. We don't get to know the kids. Um, and then I've had a lot of SROs who can tell me a little bit about that, that, that kid's personality. Oh, they're going through a tough time. They're dealing with this or that. It's just, it's crazy to see all the benefits that people want to rip away. Cause again, we go back to this Knoxville and if you remove that SRO, I don't see how that changes this situation. So we have, Nothing changing actually could get worse mm -hmm. by removing the SRO actually will get worse. And then you have all of these benefits behind that. I mean, you take this girl, right? And she in Knoxville, she reports this incident and then say, police can't find them that day. And they're like, oh, we'll try to extra patrol the school or something in the back of this kid's mind. If there's no SRO there, they're going to say, I never see the cops walking around there. What's, what's going to stop him from coming right. in? And when the police do get called and they call over to the school, who's going to be looking into what this SRO was looking into on this specific day 
tracking down all the surveillance and everything else. You're going to mm-hmm. go to a faculty member. They're going to hire a full-time individual that's going to do the in the inward investigation within the school to help law enforcement when crimes are being committed for this mom, for this girl. All these all these people who are going there for a good education, and I'm sure that there are the majority of the kids at that school, I would say, are just good kids. Right. And, and it, unfortunately, they there are too many individuals that go to this high school that are turning to violence to correct whatever's happening in their life. But Cam, you made a really good point. And, and who are you going to turn to within this situation? You're, you're letting down that mom. You're letting down uh, this girl that called in for help because the SRO was a, a huge source of information for the responding patrol officers. Right. But even as Cam said, what changed with the SRO there or with the SRO not there? Right. They were still reported to a patrol officer. Patrol officers responded to the school. The only thing that helped that was the SRO was able to track him down as to where he was during that that day. But even the outcome, you know, that was mainly it was all patrol related. It wasn't an an SRO outside of being able to track him down. And hopefully I'm hoping that that SRO inside that bathroom was in there going, hey, man, it's not, you know, because he's built that rapport. Now, we don't know what kind of rapport they have um, together, but, you know, hopefully at some point that, you know, that SRO was able to intervene and at least try to resolve that that incident peacefully. You bring up a good point because there have been times I've gone to the the schools or I've had, um, you know, in the summertime, the, the SROs hit the streets with patrol a lot of times. And there's times I'll be dealing with a juvenile and I'm trying to talk to him. I'm trying to build that rapport. And then my backup officer is an SRO. He rolls up and he happens to be his SRO. And then all of a sudden you can see the kid just kind of mellow out and talk to him and stuff. And that, that's a good point you bring up, Jared, about on this one. Hopefully that SRO was there and talking because a lot of times we're trying to build that rapport because we don't, we don't want to have to use lethal force. We don't want them to use lethal force on us. Um, that, that's not our end goal. Um, and with an SRO who is there, who gets to know the kids could know that, Hey, this kid was just kicked off the sports team. Don't bring up sports because that's going to set them even further off or something like that. Mm -hmm. SROs get to know that me as a patrol officer, I don't know who you are. If I'm going to try to build rapport, I played sports in school. I'm going to try and bring up sports. Right. Uh, and maybe this is a arts kid who kept getting beat up by the, the hockey team or whatever. Um, you probably didn't have that in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty big in Minnesota, but we got the Coyotes. Oh, Stop okay, that. Yeah. You, got, you got something. You mean Southern Canada, yeah, right? <laughs> yep. Uh, no, and that's and that and that brings up a, a, a big point is you just never know because I mean, you know, let's. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that all kids love me because that wasn't the point, right? Because my job also was to hold kids accountable, and that accountability sometimes led to that. Uh, not, I wouldn't call it a confrontation, but where we had to have that conversation about, listen, the, the behavior that you're exhibiting is, is unacceptable. And if, and if that young person isn't going to listen to what I have to say, they're probably not going to, right. They, if they've had bad experiences with law enforcement or they just don't like law enforcement, there's not a whole lot I, I'm going to be able to do as the SRO outside of just 
my interactions with them on a daily basis. Now, those interactions are pretty limited, but my interactions is I'm also being observant to who their friends are, who they're hanging out with, and that type of different thing. So it still can be valuable. And like I said, don't think that um, every kid that uh, that goes to a, a certain school likes their SRO because you just can't please everybody all the time. And we know that far too often. But it makes a difference because you could come to me as a patrol officer and say, hey, I'm looking for this kid. I can't find him at his house. Um, what can you tell me about him? And I may be able to rattle off his friends where they're at and that type of things where he where we may be able to locate that that individual if we need to. And just uh, for our listeners, I know uh, Cam has, has talked about the investigative side and, and uh, the cases that he investigated in the past and also his patrol side. But I will tell you from a detective standpoint, I contact SROs a lot when I'm dealing with youth cases. Uh, and this is for the listeners who have kids and, and understand that if your kid was a victim of any crime within a school, I will tell you from a detective standpoint, the SROs are invaluable. They, they are, they give so much information to me when I need to have that information for my case. Right. And that is a, a tool and, and a needed step within an investigation that's going to be stripped if this continues to happen. And we could go on and on and on with all the little things. I know we've brought up quite a bit. We haven't even talked about the mass shootings. Right. You know what I mean? In terms of individuals that are, are looking to go into a school and, and take as many lives as they possibly can, which typically ends up into uh, a a homicide after homicide after homicide until they take their own life. Right. And that's typically how the school shootings happen or an officer responds and ends that threat to save lives that are inside the school with the SROs. Are you, are you, I mean, you name me one incident within a school where the SRO wasn't the first on scene. There's a reason for that. Right. Well, because they're already on. Scene. Right. And th to be honest, I think there's only one incident that I can think of right off the top of my head. And I could be wrong. But it's not, it's going to be less than five, I can tell you that. But only one that I know of right off the top of my head where a, a mass killing incident uh, occurred with an SRO on, in the building on campus. So, well, technically it's, it was two, but uh, so the first one would have been Columbine, but that uh, officer was across campus. And obviously he stayed and did what was, was the norm at the time. And obviously that's changed yeah, but because uh, of that, yep. uh, that uh, what was it, Stoneman, Stoneman Douglas, the Florida one, the Florida one. Yeah, so that's and he the, was charged. Yes, so so, but but uh, all of those that uh, that um, um, all those officers that uh, those school shootings that have happened, there's uh, outside of just that one, Stoneman Douglas, um, the officers, there hasn't been an, an SRO on campus um, and able to respond. So those that have have happened, um, the uh, the SRO has intervened at some point um, and rather quickly. Generally, well, almost so. sounds like we need more SROs and not less SROs. Yeah, right? I think and there's a and there's a, a give and take, and I think there's a lot of that where officers you have to have the right officer, right? You have sure. to have the right officer in there, the the officer that understands his role, and that's a huge thing that as uh, over my time that uh, un understanding what our role as a, as an SRO is and should be, and also what the school's role is and should be. And I think that's where a lot of this restorative justice kind of comes in, but it's, uh, it's, 
you've got to have that defined role. You have to have a good understanding of it. You have to understand kids. You have to be able to understand young people and be able to talk to them because it's a huge thing. My job isn't if, if a kid is uh, going crazy, just yelling at a teacher uh, inside of their classroom. My job isn't necessarily to go in there and drop that kid and pin him to the ground, right? My job is to support the teacher and the administration because it's not necessarily a law violation, right? I may be the present that hopefully calms that situation because of, 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 of the position I'm in, but my job isn't there to go in there and dump that, that kid headfirst in the ground and, and then go that route. Now, if he starts swinging at the teacher, assaulting other kids, that's a different story, but got to take action. Yeah. 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 And, and here's the compromise that I, I really want to, you talk about an olive branch, right? And, and the purpose of, of this show is we want uh, that communication. We want truth, first and foremost. We would like to have opinions. We would like to have perspectives. We would, we would like to come to this table and, and talk. And I would say this is what I will say um, to the, this national push to, in a lot of areas, because I'm not going to say everywhere. I'm not going to say the, Nash, the nation is pushing to take our SROs out because there are so many people pushing back. And, but here's what I will say. I'm hearing a lot about social workers. I'm hearing a lot about counselors uh, and how they need to be able to have a, a bigger presence within a school. I, I'm not going to argue that. Right. I think that social workers and counselors have their place, and, and there are things that they specialize in that cops cannot. But if you're going to say that the counselors and the social workers can come in and do the exact job that an SRO does, I'm going to argue with you. Right. And there's going to be a debate there because we know in law enforcement, there are just some things you need very specific training to do. Right. And a social worker and a counselor are not going to be able to do that. So, and I think at the, especially because I spent so much time at the high school level, it's really, I was never 100% a a cop. I was never 100% a police officer. I, it was probably 50, 50, spent about 50% of my time being a police officer. The other 50% was just being I don't know, a counselor, uh, just an ear, somebody who could give feedback, um, just listen. Uh, a lot of times that was a huge thing for young people because they often feel that adults just don't listen to them. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. All of us in here have gone, dad, you're not listening to me, mom, you're not listening to me. And so, uh, but that's, that's a huge thing is that, that, uh, that person that sits across the desk from me, from a young person can go, yeah, no, Hey, you know what? I may not have all the answers, but let me give you some of my opinions, some of my thoughts, some of my expertise or my experience, and here are some resources for you. And that's, I think that's where a lot of that can come in because you can get that SRO that can get a kid to come and talk to them because they built that rapport. Um, there's right. a lot of times right. as an SRO, I had young people disclose things t- to me that they wouldn't disclose to their parents, mm-hmm. a counselor, a teacher. Can't even tell you how valuable that is. And so having that rapport that I built and then they're comfortable enough to come and talk to me. And then I go with that information. Okay. Now here's how we can make things better. And then we can start offloading those kids to where they need that can really support them, you know, but that front line with the right SRO will make a huge difference. It pays dividends in which you'll never know until you'll never know how, how much you need it until you really need it. Yep. That's uh that's hundred percent accurate. So obviously you can tell our, uh, our thought process on this. Um, uh, again, like we always say, hit us up. Uh, we're on social media. Want to know? Uh, we want to know. Please reach out. 
what your thoughts are. We're not going to strike you down for having an opposing view. That's uh, what kind of what we're all about. We want to hear those opposing views. That's how we'll continue to clear these corners. Till next time. Beat, 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 beat,